Hello and welcome to this celebratory episode of Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged. Because for the first time ever, we have a fully televised multi-stage Tour de France fan, Avic Swift, to enjoy. And it's significant because it's an enormous, huge stride forward in equality in our sport. But not just that, the racing has been, well, nothing short of absolutely sensational as well. So I'm going to chat with my good friend Hannah Walker off the telly, who's on the ground at the race, to hear how it's all going from her particular perspective as World Feed commentator. Um, now, I'm not at the race myself unfortunately i'm in room 319 at the z hotel in on fleet street in london um and i'm just looking out of my window and i can see temple which is that famous church type building right opposite the court of justice and it's where the knights templar are buried so a bit later on when i finish doing the pod i might go and do a little bit of uh Indiana Jones type exploring. You just never know. Um, so I also have a chat with Holly Weatherstone from Mockoff, where we discuss the role brands have to play in leveling the playing field. And she's been spearheading a very, very cool, important campaign indeed. So grab yourself a cup of your favorite beverage or even a glass or a mug. I've got a uh, takeaway cup of oat milk latte, which I've got next door. Uh, sit back, stick your feet up and enjoy the pod. Hannah Walker, or at Spanner Walker on the internet, is a bike racer turned reporter turned commentator. And I had the absolute pleasure of working with her on the Tour de France for blokes just last week. Now, she's on the ground in France, now working on the women's edition. And I was very keen to find out what kind of impact the race is having on the fans and the people in the towns that it passes through. And also what Hannah's fueling strategy is for such a long stretch of work without flagging. I mean, her uh, her endurance is absolutely outstanding. And I should probably mention right now, the top end of the pod, that I'm so fatigued by my three weeks in France that I forgot my microphone for the interview parts of today's pod and had to buy a new one to record these links at my own expense, I might add. I didn't expect Sigma Sports to buy me a new microphone because of my utter ineptitude. Um, so there we go. So enough about me. And um, yeah. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> well, um, Hannah Walker off the television. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> thanks for having me, Matt. This is like career hype being on your podcast. Oh, no, it's, um, it's a podcast hide to have you on the podcast, especially um, from where you are. And you've, um, well, first and foremost, can you just tell us where you are? We know that you're you're on the Tour de France Avic uh, Zwift, Tour de France Fam Avic Zwift, but can you just describe uh, where you are to us, please? Because I've, I've got a rough idea, but I don't really know. Yeah, so we're on to stage five now. I'm at the finish line in Sandy de Vosges, and it's stage five. It's the longest stage, 175 kilometres. I'm currently sat, actually, in the commentary tribune, so we're right on the finish Ooh. line. Uh, well, I say right on the finish line. We're about 20 metres from the finish line. So we've got a fantastic view. I can see the long straight that the riders will uh, come into for today's stage. And everything's starting to be built. Every, all the barriers are up, all the brandings are up. There's people starting to gather already at the finish. So it's uh, it's really starting to take shape. It's uh, it's 11.30 in the morning and they're not due to... Uh, to come through and, and finish the stage today into Sandy de Vosges until around about half four. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been great. And 
as you know, Matt, after coming off the back of uh, Le Tour de France Homme with, with myself, that it is boiling here in France it's at the moment. Hot. It's blue sky, sun. Yeah. It's, oh, the weather's tremendous. It was nuts, wasn't it? I mean, just before we talk about the racing itself, Hannah, how are your energy levels? Because as you've just said, let's put this into perspective. You've done the Tour de France and that little bit extra that we had because we started in Denmark. And you basically did a double shift on Sunday, didn't you? Uh, which was, I couldn't believe that you did it, but you did. And now you're working all the way through to Sunday uh, where the race finishes on the Super Planche de Belfi. So how are your energy levels? Um, My energy? And, and, uh, and are you looking at stages or GC now? <laughs> I'm going for the long haul. I'm going for the GC. I'm going for the All GC right. map. I'm okay. going for the general classification. No, it was, um, yeah, did the did the double on Sunday, did the commentary for the women's race, which was incredible, stage one of La Tour de France Femme and finishing on the Champs-Élysées. And then in the afternoon, uh, covered the final stage, stage 21 of uh, the Tour de France, where, of course, Jasper Philipson took the victory uh, on, potentially, I, I think it's one of, the greatest arenas for the sprinters and one of the most prestigious places to win a, a race. So, uh, yeah, that was a, an incredibly long day, yet really rewarding. And it was it was crazy. It was beautiful. It was just everything that I had thought that that Champs-Élysées stage would be with the energy and the atmosphere. And um, I actually feel, despite being on the road already for... I think I've, it's already been over four weeks now. Um, I feel actually like I've had a renewed energy because the race we're onto a new race. It's this. It's the new race. It's new riders. It's it's onto the women's side. It's this atmosphere that's really building. So actually, energy level wise, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm quite surprised, but um, yeah, really really good. You do sound quite perky, and I think people should note as well. Um, that you did make an appearance at the nightclub in Duplex as well, didn't you? On, on <laughs> Sunday night, which blew my mind. Obviously, your partner John was there as well. Uh, fair play, he jetted in for a bit of a, a mini celebration. But how, you, you've, you I mean, how are you? What's your fueling strategy, Anna? Because I need to learn because I'm, I'm, I'm so fatigued right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a hot one in Duplex, wasn't it? We all had, uh, yeah, it was a, a fantastic night, and it was a good, uh, a good way to round things off, and and um, yeah, just to celebrate what we'd, what we'd done over the last three and a bit weeks. Yeah. Uh, but for me, fueling strategy, I had two zero point zero uh, Radler beers. Right. Um, so non-alcoholic, and then. Yep. Um, I was just on the lemonade. Right. lemonade. Yeah, that just had one of them and then that was it. That was me for the night. Done. So um that was the the fueling strategy. Just didn't drink and stuff like that. When I woke up the next day, um I was I was fresh. I was good. Drunk a lot of water, made sure I had a good breakfast. And, and uh, awesome. away we go. And I think the the fueling strategy is the incredible racing that we've seen so far over the last four stages. It's been electric, isn't it? Well, I mean, so far, actually, before we briefly talk about the racing, Hannah, just so, I mean, people know that you, you commentate um, for, for ASO, but can you just explain your role with ASO on, on the Tour de France Farmer Vic Swift? It's a different one than you did with Eurosport GCN, isn't it? Yeah, with Eurosport GCN, with the Discovery team, I was there as a, a reporter and interviewing sports directors, riders, bringing news from the ground, reporting what the the course, the parkour would look like up ahead, any interesting or technical or 
parts where it could really start to split. But on the, the Tour de France fam of X-Swift, my role here is a, a co-commentator. So commentating um, every day on the finish line um, from we, we do the, the sort of final two and a half hours of the race. So you really it's more or less the final 80, 90 kilometers of each stage. Sure. So it's it's a very different role to what I played at the the Tour de France on and now at the Tour de France Femme it's uh, it's different and it, I really enjoy both aspects of the job they're both very very different but um, seeing seeing things unfolding to be a part of this historic moment in his in, in cycling Matt is is incredible and it kind of gives you it gives you goosebumps and it also gives you this realization of where we've come and especially in the last 10 years in the sport on the women's side and to see to see where we're at and to see I, I, you know the, the crowds in the villages the towns the finish line and the the decoration it, it does feel like the tour de france there's no differentiation yeah. between the two races between the men's and the women's you know yesterday it was it was really cool there was um some zebra crossings and they painted all the zebra crossings of course normally they're white with the uh as a, a pedestrian crossing but they painted them one yellow, one green, one polka dot, and, and one was white for the white uh, young riders jersey. And they did that all the way through in uh, Barsaub in the, the Finnish town. And it's all these minor details that are picked up and just from the helicopter shots just look so beautiful. But there's no difference. It just feels like you're on the Tour de France is the Tour de France. Yeah, I mean, from what I've, from what I've seen, I, I must admit, I'm a little bit envious that I'm not on the race. Partly relieved because my energy levels are lagging. But from what I've seen, <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, I'm envious because the racing has been tremendous, hasn't it? I, and when you look at the the course design as well, within the eight days, although we've still got, a few, we've got halfway points, aren't we now? Four stages to go. Um, yeah. The stage will be underway very shortly, won't it? Um, the, the racing has been incredible. I don't think I've ever seen, I mean, we know that women's racing is fantastic, but there seems to have been, maybe because of the, the hype, the anticipation of this event, how important it is. And for many riders, this is the, this is the biggest race. It's the pinnacle, isn't it? Aside from the world championships. It's it is. Fantastic. And, it and is. the racing has been electrifying, hasn't it? It has. It has. And it's one of those where all the riders have come and, and the teams and the, their partners, their sponsors. It's been such a huge aim for this season. But it was ever since the race was announced, the preparation that's gone into it for all of the, the teams and riders to make sure that they come to this race in their prime form, the best they've ever been. And you really can see that. And I think the the dynamic of the race and I think the way that they've designed the course has been really open. If you take a look, we've had four different stage winners, four different teams. And I think that's a real beauty of the sport that everyone's tasting that success. We're seeing some real emergences of, of younger riders, of, of other riders who've been knocking on the door for quite some time. And really seeing them come to fruition and you, you take a look at the youngest rider in the race she's currently leading the young riders jersey and she's she's still you know it's such a young age to be still mixing it with some of the greatest riders and the most experienced riders they know how the peloton works they know how the race is going to unfold those tactics and so i think there's a real beautiful race unfolding but I also think the way that the course has been designed for you you can say and you look to stage two and it's okay this is dead on 
one for the bunch sprint uh, for the sprint it's going to end in a bunch sprint but it was far yeah. from the truth the the way yeah. that the wind played a part the way that the riders really took it on and turned it into a bit of a gc day actually yeah. um yeah, yeah. and so that is it was incredible but and then you see the the win the victory of uh Silla Ultra Ludwig on stage three into uh FMA. it was I think one of the most uh, it, for the fans, especially who've been following uh, Cecilia for a long, long time, everyone was just overjoyed for her, and especially after this season, missed the the prime part of her season in the classics, the Ardennes classics, because of COVID, and they, you know, the, the races that really suit her as a bike rider. So for her to come back in that resilience of the team, they had such a terrible day on Monday where they lost one of their other leaders, Marta Cavalli, uh, yeah. in a horrendous crash. So I think That's that awesome, fighting yeah. spirit the resilience of the team, the riders. It's just been beautiful. There's so many stories that have come from the race. You're right. It was, um, I, it was, I know that the, the level of, the level of race has been amazing. I, I don't think we could have anticipated how good the racing is going to be because the way that the, the course has been designed, you quite rightly said, I don't think we expected to have such a significant general classification already. We thought that potentially that was going to happen towards the back end. And already there's some pretty significant time gaps that have opened up. But saying that, the race is still pretty delicately balanced, isn't it? It is. And I think that's the the wonderful thing. I mean, so far you've got Mariana Voss, who still leads it's her third day in yellow now. Um, yeah. And Sylvia Persico, who was a bronze medalist at the Cyclocross World Championships, behind Mariana Voss, currently sits in second uh, overall it's 16 seconds so everything's really closely uh close in the general classification we've seen Annemiek van Vleuten who's not had a great start due to illness to the race but seems to be coming back slowly but surely and especially into the terrain that really suits her as a rider um and I think it's those riders who are close in the general classification keeping the time gaps close which is going to have such a an electric finale. I mean, you take a look yeah. at stage seven and stage eight and where things will really start to break up. It's um, it's still still close. It's still not over. And, and that, I think that's what the, the beautiful thing is. And I don't think you can... I know we're a bit worried about uh, Van Vluten, weren't we? And her, we were. She's, she's, still, she's still there. Well, she's at 1 minute 14, 1 minute 16 seconds. And you said we still got these brutally difficult stages to come where well, I think we are, are going to see some big time gaps. When you, and when you look at the top 10, um, it's, I don't know, it's set fair for some magnificent racing on the next few days. Have you, have you had any opportunities, Hannah, to, I know in, when you're doing the role of a commentator, it's a lot different than doing the role of a reporter where we can interact with staff, riders and management. Um, have you had an opportunity to, to speak much to any of the riders to get a sense of what they think about the race so far? I haven't so much really. Um, as you say, you're because we're at the finish line, we don't get to see them pre-race. Um, we only get obviously get to hear them in the uh, the post-race interviews, really, and and what we can see from the teams on social media after the stage is done. I try once the the uh, broadcast is wrapped up, I try and get out of the commentary box as soon as possible to try and get towards the the mix zone, and if any riders are still hanging about, try and get to speak to them but um, I haven't managed to as of yet I mean I spoke to Stephen Delcourt of uh, FDJ, uh, FDJ Suez Futuroscope the manager after the victory of uh, Silla and just to congratulate him on on what a superb victory it was but also the the comeback of the team and the way that they they kept 
that belief that they could still turn things around after such a horrific day on stage two. And he was saying even in the morning that uh, Scylla had a really um, bad left elbow in the morning because of her crash on stage two and the way that she was able to turn things around and take the victory. He was saying, you know, she had a bad bruise and uh, he was just saying that it was, it was such a shame and Marta Cavalli was still with the team, which was obviously nice that she was able to, to be there and be still part of that victory was, was really nice. But in terms of seeing riders on the ground, I haven't, but I think everyone is, is really relishing this opportunity. And I think they are also really aware of what a, what a huge occasion this is. And for them to be a part of history is, is something that every rider realizes what they're part of. And I think that's, that's the general sense of what, and not only the riders actually, but also the sports directors, the team managers, the swaniers, the mechanics, they all know what a huge occasion this is. And so, yeah, I think it's just the, the sense of pride and, and being proud to be yeah. part of this first edition. And, and from, your, from your experience, I mean, I guess you didn't really even have a chance to take a breath, but you've known you've been doing this for a while. And you're, has, has it... Um, has it delivered from your perspective? Are you, obviously, you're, you're more than happy to be there. But what does it feel like as a as a as a female broadcaster to be at an event as important as this yourself, from from a job satisfaction per, point of view? I, mean, I would imagine you're absolutely loving it. Have you had a chance to reflect a little bit, despite the uh, the whirlwind that you've been over or been through over, <laughs> over the last uh, last few weeks? Um, I I think I have. I think it, you you come into it. And it's just, even before the race started, you know, when I knew I would be covering this race as, as a commentator and it's just, it is that, that, that feeling of pride and to be a part of this first, first edition in in its new era. Let's not forget, of course, the, the race, um, a Tour de France Femina ran in the, in the eighties, but in its first edition in this new generation, it is, it is special and it's, to see whether the, the sport has come in, as I say, the last 10 years alone, never mind the, those who came before the, the, the current generation and, and, and myself. Um, it's, it's really special. And I think it has delivered on all expectations, the crowds in the villages, the towns, but also when you see the viewing figures of, of how many people, how many millions of people are watching worldwide. Yeah. I, I saw something on, um, on, on, the uh, the French broadcasters and it was into something like 2.4 million and I think that the peak was something like 3 million um, for watching Silly win that that victory so the appetite is there and so if you can imagine all the people who are being inspired and, and in awe and, and also being treated to perhaps a new sport that they've never been able to see before they've never had yeah, an interest before so it's that new audience that are coming in as well which it's, of course, we've got our, our dedicated fans who follow the the women's peloton, the, the men's peloton week in, week out. But I think the, the new audience that we are gaining as well is, is something that's special. And so, yeah, it's special to be on the ground. It's special to see everything unfold. It's It really feels exactly the same as the men's Tour de France in terms yeah. of the the structure, the format, um, you know, even little things, Matt, you know, when you're going to the PPO or you're going to parking, yeah. you've got the security guys telling you, right, you, you can park here. You can, you know, it's everything feels same like the thing, men's yeah. tour. It has that yeah. same feel. 
it is. It, it's I, I, like I say, I am a little bit envious that I'm not over there, <laughs> over there with you, Hannah. But it sounds like you're having a blast. You're with um, me in heart. You're with me in, in yeah, heart. Yeah, I'm, I'm with I'm with you in heart. Maybe maybe not quite the amount of stress that that there is. It's a stress that we all enjoy, but it can be quite it can be quite intriguing, can't it? Quite often, the bit about our job and because I've I do world feed on other races. It's um the job itself isn't particularly stressful because I'd like to think we know what we're doing. And, and it's it's pleasurable, but it's quite often the logistical bits, getting to places, isn't it? On on yeah. time, that quite often is that even getting to your hotel and getting off a mountain or getting out of a town where it's essentially yes. locked, locked down for security reasons. <laughs> they are the stressy elements of being yeah. on a grand tour, aren't they? Or finding a uh, a restaurant in France that's open uh, yes, totally. <laughs> at night time because a lot of them close quite early on, and so you're you're thinking right, stage is finished. We we wrapped up we've we've done everything we needed to do let's get on the road um oh wait we can't get food or there's a restaurant closed but last night i have to say we found a brilliant little restaurant well caroline canuel a former professional for team sd work she she's with us and she found a brilliant little italian restaurant um, oh, lovely. what did you have love i had just a traditional classic simple margarita but you know when it's a real italian so the dough is spectacular it's yep. fantastic you know high class mozzarella good it was just oh it was delicious bit of basil on top oh nice yeah, lovely. Quite rustic. was it like the, the, rustic it was rustic it was yeah, like you know a little bit burnt on the edges yeah, and the stone, the stone, stone baked baked. yeah i've stone got it I could, you know what Hannah? I could, can you I, taste it i i, I I can, I can I can't only taste it. I can smell it. Oh, look, that's um, wonderful! All of those senses are, are kind of coming up my nostrils now. Um, oh, Hannah, sorry. There's a funny noise in the Random background. Sorry. Random question alert. Random question alert. It is time for a random question. Hannah, Hannah Walker off the television. I'm really, really sorry about this, but uh, we've got um, everywhere I go, and it's part of my contract with uh, the folks at Sigma Sports. I have to carry around this old 1960s computer with me, otherwise, basically, they'd not employ me. Anyway, it's gone off in the corner with its funny red light, and I've pulled off um, like an old fax. And I have, before we leave you to do your job, um, we've got a question for you, and I've never seen it before. Okay. Okay. I'm intrigued. Right. This is yeah, slightly scared. <laughs> yeah, it's quite an odd one. Um, okay, here we go, Hannah. Uh, how many sets of headphones do you think it would take to reach the volume of a standard car stereo on full blast? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I didn't make these questions up. They're up. They're randomly generated by this strange computer that I have in the corner of it. It can hardly fit. It's only a small hotel room. So, how many sets of headphones do you think it would take to reach the volume? There's no right or wrong answer here, Hannah. Okay. So I just need you so to reach maybe the standard estimate. volume. So if you had the volume on on twenty in your car stereo, and you, you know it would be almost deafening. So how many little sets of headphones do you think it would take to build that sort of you know? A, 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 I would imagine quite. Do you know what? what, what I think. I think it would if you had just little headphones. Mm. I think you'd have to have. And if those headphones are also on the standard volume, mm. collectively, I think you'd mm. have to have roughly 73 sets. Rough, roughly 73. I do love your roughness yeah, there. I think, I think about sets. 73. I think when you, yeah. You'd probably need a really strange headphone port to actually, you need like a, a little 
multi-port with loads of little holes in to plug your headphones in. It well. would have to be like an octopus, wouldn't it? Or, <laughs> or maybe about eight octopuses into each one, and then yeah. How many? How many eights in 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 seventy three? <laughs> <laughs> um, Hold on. Hold wait, on. Seventy three divided by it's, eight. Um, nine point one two five. Yes. Not nine point one two five. Is it? Yes. Well done. Oh. Did you did you use did you do that in your mind? Did that in my mind? Really? Because I'd use I... my calculator. <laughs> um, anyway, I thought I was only a, a mid uh, mid class maths set set three. I was out of five, so uh, I that's think midway. I was, I, I was the the other direction, unfortunately. Uh, let's not go into that right now, <laughs> Hannah. Hannah, um, I think we'd need. 92 sets of headphones um but i think we um yeah it's it's been a pleasure i know you've got to get uh, on thank you for for tolerating the random question that was um, brilliant um and it's and enjoy the rest of um the tour de france fam avec zwift i'm going to be watching closely um have fun and i cannot wait to see who ends up winning this thing it's difficult to call right now but i'm going to put you on the spot one final time i know it's a the classic question but who who do you think is going to run out at the top of La Super Planche de Belfi, the winner of the inaugural tour? I think, um, and it was, it's was it been my pick since the beginning, I think despite her trials and tribulations and illness at the start and losing time and looking in difficulty, Annemiek van Vleuten, I do think, will will come through once we head to the territory that really suits her and especially that final stage up the La Super Planche de Belfi. So I think um, she will be the rider who, uh, who takes the yellow jersey at the end of this race we've got a really difficult stage seven as well to contend yeah. with which is when you take a look at the profile of stage seven um and then you combine that with the the fatigue of the riders and and just how fast the racing's been uh, yeah. i think Annemiek van Vleuten is going to come through and uh, and prevail and take that uh take the yellow jersey I think that's a very, very good call. It's difficult for me to argue with that, so I think I think I'm going to go with you as well. Um, or, or, although my heart says Cassie Nuiadoma, um, I just think Van Bluten is just still so dangerous, lurking ominously in eighth place overall at just over a minute. I think she could be very dangerous. But Hannah, I'm going to leave you to your job. I really do. Well, thanks from everybody at Sigma Sports for taking the time to have a chat. Um, take care and uh, enjoy the rest of the race and we'll no doubt catch up soon. Matt, thanks so much for having me on. It's been a real pleasure to talk to the Matt Stevens on his podcast, on the Sigma podcast. Thanks so much for having me and uh, enjoy watching. Always cracking fun to chat with Hannah and I really do hope she enjoys the rest of her time at the tour. And I must say, I'm just a little bit envious. Now, Holly Weatherstone is the global head of bicycle marketing for bike maintenance brand Mockoff, available, of course, at Sigma Sports. Now, she recently spearheaded the company's equality-driven Move Over promotional campaign. Now, events like the Tour de France Farm of Zwift can only happen with the help of brand sponsorship. And I was keen to learn how their campaign goes beyond the race itself to help charities and organisations that support women on bikes. Check it out. Well, um, hello, Holly, Holly Weatherstone, um, the global head of bicycle marketing um, at Mockoff. Holly, thanks very much for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no worries. At all. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. Now, Holly, first things, before we get into um, the nuts and bolts of what we're going to be talking about, um, I always like guests to set the scene um, of where mm -hmm. they are. Uh, so can you just tell us where in the world you are? And actually, just describe the room or the location that you're in. 
Well, um, since the pandemic, uh, we've all kind of started working from home at Muckoff and um, we grew a great deal, actually. Um, so when I started in 2019 at Muckoff, we were like just under 50 people. And now I think we're over 200. Wow. Um, so Army. we actually don't fit into the office anymore. Okay. Um, so we're kind of yeah encouraged to to keep working at home we can go in if we like and i'm based relatively near the office which is in pool dorset uh, obviously not where i'm from as you can probably tell from my accent um but yeah i'm in my uh kind of bedroom slash <laughs> office yeah. um so basically just roll out of bed every morning uh, straight up to the laptop um to start work it's a bit weird but i've got used to it yeah. do you, I, know, I know you're like obviously riding your bike do you do you manage to fit that in or is that i would imagine quite an important part of the day and you're a mum as well aren't you so i'd imagine your day is quite um how do you coordinate things um so i don't get out on the bike as much as i used to because yes you're right i have a toddler um but we just got one of those amazing uh tula bike trailers ah. um which means that we can now take her with us and we've started going out sometimes after work and there's some really prime gravel out around here so we generally go on a little gravel ride um after work or at the weekends which is is really lush very very nice and of course we have some gravel in the uh, tour de france fam yesterday which was quite explosive more of that in a minute but holly obviously you've um, been with mocker for a while as you've just described um an amazing very important year this year for, for women's cycling. And you've got, can you just talk to me uh, about the Move Over project or campaign and what it, what it means, the genesis of the project and how important it is for you and how you're linking that in with the Tour de France farm, if you don't mind. Yeah, certainly. So one of the things um, that Markoff has always tried to do is, is, is be as inclusive as possible um, around our category, which is generally a little bit dull sometimes, bike care and maintenance. Mm. And, 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 and sometimes uh, some people who are maybe new to cycling um, or don't have a huge amount of confidence um, struggle with um, bike maintenance and care. And that impedes on the enjoyment of riding a bike. You know, if your chain is, is making a, a noise, um, or isn't you know running as, as smoothly as possible um, if your brakes are, are rubbing and squealing like all of those things can uh, you know I think everyone has a story of when they've been stuck on their bike and yep. it's not been um, you know running running smoothly it, it, it is it is not so enjoyable uh, as it could be and, and um, the category can be quite um, uninclusive so everything that we try and do is to make things uh, around bike care maintenance as, as easy and as accessible to as many people as possible. Okay. Um, and also by injecting some fun into it. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, you know, as we've grown, you know, we really feel like we have a responsibility to, to help, um, you know, get more people into the sport, get more people on bikes, um, in other ways, including women. Um, and so Move Over is is a campaign around that. Um, and we chose a pivotal moment, which is obviously the, the Tour de France fam, um, at the pinnacle of the sport. Um, but 
it's really around supporting women, all women on their cycling journey, whether it's about learning to ride a bike for the very first time um, or developing their skills and confidence or racing at an elite level. Um, so, yeah, I guess what we're trying to do is, is shift focus. And a lot yeah. of brands are doing this. It's really exciting to see, you know, what Wahoo are doing um, Sun God, like shifting focus to to the women's race this year. Uh, and women cycling more generally um, because it deserves more of a spotlight. Um, and, and brands, I guess, have have big audiences and, and therefore the power to help shift the focus and build momentum um, behind this movement. And I know that you're, Markov, to, enable, to do that, you're, you are partnering with several um, non-profit organizations as well to, to, to get to try I guess to get the feelings out into the community and actually make a, a, a discernible difference too yeah so I think like events like the Tour de France fam are great at creating a, a spark and an inspiration and you know we saw that after the London Olympics the boom in cycling participation because of you know what the the attention that the cycling events got and how well our own team did really inspired people to jump on a bike. Yeah. And um, so I think it's really important to, to make sure that we support those big high impact events at the pinnacle of the sport. But in order to sustain participation and support people to, to you know, make sure it's not just a flash in the pan, pan or, or a boom, um, I think investment needs to be made into into clubs, into community building projects, and the charities that we've picked um, operate at, at all different levels of the the pyramid. Um, so we've got Home Stretch, for example, who um, offer free training camp facilities and, and financial support to female athletes. A lot of them are, are cyclists, and actually, some of the riders, as I understand, at this year's um, Tour de France fam are home stretch alumni or home stretches oh, as, right, they, as okay. they call them. Right. Um, so that's a US charity, but we also support Cycle Sisters, which is um, a, a UK based charity that help um, Muslim women um, develop skills and confidence on, on the bike. And, and some of them have never had the opportunity to, to learn to ride a bike. So the charities that we're supporting are, are like I said, kind of supporting women of all different backgrounds um, and all different abilities. Um, and we've got we've got charities in um, in Australia, Germany, US and UK. So um, kind of trying to make sure that we have a global spread, uh, yeah. global spread as well as a, a spread across the pyramid. And what's the, what's the most re rewarding part of all this for you personally? Then I mean, um, you're you're heading this this up. What what, what do you um, what do you get the most out of when, when you see the work that's being done, uh, and hopefully the changes that are, that are beginning to come to fruition? Um, <laughs> that's a very uh, that's a very good question, but um, not very easy to answer. I think. I've always wanted to do something like this um, and Makoff as a, as a business have always been very supportive of, of this kind of idea. Um, 
and allow people who work there to to go and you know develop campaigns in in quite a free and creative way which i really enjoy yeah um and and this is you know i am a female and i'm <laughs> into cycling and i want to make sure that other women have the opportunity and the confidence to develop and enjoy um their time on on a bike whether they want to race or whether they just want to get out there and, and feel feel safe and that they can you know fix a puncture themselves or you know whatever but there have been two moments i guess in the development of this campaign so one was um uh, melbourne dirt um who are an australian charity that um run clinics and group rides um to, to help women and other marginalized genders um get on their bikes um but when we when we approached them about this campaign um the the women um who i was speaking to got very emotional and and a couple of the other charities had i guess similar responses where they were a bit overwhelmed that someone like us wanted to support what they did um because i think a lot of the time that you know they're pitching they're struggling to get funding for what they're doing and and they don't really feel listened to or appreciated so we had some really i guess heartwarming responses when we reached out to some of the charities in particular melbourne dirt um and one of the people who uh work in my team uh showed the campaign launch video if you haven't seen it then please check it out um to uh his wife who started crying um and 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 just felt very touched um by it and you know the the purpose of the campaign um so it's yeah it's great to be able to touch people in a positive way and and do something um that helps increase participation in the sport that we love yeah it's a it's a multifaceted um campaign from from what i from what i've seen and, and from what you've you, you've you've described and i know that you you're involved in sponsoring um ef education tipco tipco and they've along with the men's team for the tour de france had a complete shift in their kit haven't they? which let's be honest with you is one of the funkiest kits out there with rassler um yeah. <laughs> and you've got a logo on the jersey i bet that was a lot of fun working with those guys on coming up with that 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 collaboration with um as well yeah so we we heard about this collaboration under an nda last year um and yeah i was just so stoked um at the opportunity to get involved in this which you know is about um reflecting the team's commitment to gender parity in sport which links to what we are trying to do with move over very closely and yeah it's just really cool as well like the the palace rafa um collaboration from a couple years was amazing but this one has a real meaning and purpose behind it which I think takes it to to another level. Um, I think, and just just to touch on that point, um, the the way that the Tipco Silicon Valley team is run, and um, they're a World Tour team, but they actually pay um, the minimum salary, the men's World Tour salary, to, to the women as well. And I think there's only a couple of teams. I think Trek might do that as well. Uh, in the yeah, whole and Canyon Shram. And Canyon well. Shram. So, so yeah. it fits completely. It's at ease with, with the ideology, isn't it, of the campaign and with you guys. So it, there's, there's a comfortable um, fit there, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And we do, we support Canyon Shram too. We've worked with them 
um, since 2018. And I think they've done a huge amount over the last, I mean, decade. They they started out as specialised Lululemon, then they were Voluptio uh, Shram. But they've done a huge amount, I think, to raise the profile of women's sport um, and women's cycling over the last decade and and to to work with them has been a a real pleasure as well um but yeah they last i think last season uh roman arnold one of the owners of canyon tram um committed to the the same um minimum salary of the men's world tour for for that team too so lots of really positive movements you know in terms of salaries prize money gaps as well is a big one like it, yeah. in this country all of the races i think um like the women's tour um ride prudential have parity in prize money gaps and and i know that flanders um this year as well um who, who got a bit of a hard time in the past have have done the same so there's lots of positive shifts um happening and like i said this this campaign is around helping build momentum behind that yeah i think the next that I mean, there is a tremendous amount of positive momentum it's heading certainly heading in the right direction the next thing we need to to see is for the governing for the governing bodies to step up and 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 make this an actual rule so it's not just pressed by brands it's brands and individuals teams have had this belief um it's just because it's the right thing to do but what we ultimately need with this new momentum is for it to become as part of, of the of the system, isn't it that it's everybody should be the same? There should be complete parity across the board with the UCI. I think that's the that's the next big step, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like we need to celebrate, you know, how far we've come, but certainly there's there's still a long road ahead uh, for women's cycling, um, and yeah, just need to to do what we can to to make sure that. You know that the pressure is applied and that we we continue to make progress across the board well holly thank you very much for for hopping on the pod uh, thank you for waiting uh, in the green room i hope it was okay in the green room our virtual green room on the, on the platform <laughs> we use uh, it's been an absolute pleasure um and i hope you enjoy the rest of the tour de france avec fan um and uh, i'm sure the uh, the move over campaign will just go from strength to strength continue to inspire and can continue to make sure that organizations within cycling um, if they're not already, start to do the right thing um, and in, continue to empower and give opportunities for women to get on their bikes um, what, in, in whatever form. So um, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Matt, for having me. It's been, yeah, a pleasure. Lovely to chat with Holly about the Move Over campaign. And in fact, 10% of all profits from the sales of the pink product range throughout July go to the charities and organisations mentioned. No better time to buy Mockoff then from Sigma Sports. I hope you enjoyed our Tour de France Femme avec Swift special. Um, if I'm on the ground for next year's edition, we'll do a series of podcasts and I really love that. Now, if you're listening to this podcast fresh or even ever so slightly smelly because it's been very hot recently, there are still a couple of stages of the race left. So check them out and give it your support on social media and in real life too, if you can. And if you're finding the Tour de France Femme avec Swift late, I hope you enjoy all the highlights and there weren't too many spoilers for you in this podcast. So thanks very much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do like, subscribe, and recommend it to your friends. And why not, if you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, write a review to help us get seen by more and more ears. 
A special shout out to the riders who have guested on this podcast and are setting the Tour de France fam avec Swift alight. So, Mariana Voss, Cecile Utrecht Ludwig, Elisa Longaborghini, and Cassia Nuiadoma. And you know where to go to listen to those on podcasts. And remember to tune in. Head over to YouTube as well, subscribe to our channel, and if you want, watch the Cecilie Utrup Ludwig Cafe Ride, which was one of my favorites. She is an absolute bona fide legend. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us either on social media at Sigma Sports or at Real Stevens, or even by emailing us podcast at sigmasports.com. So, to wrap things up, thanks again to Hannah and Holly for their time today. Right, I'm off. Where am I going? Because it's got like an ellipsis. Uh, I'm actually going to an Airbnb to a French book launch today. So I'll see you all later and catch up with you very, very soon. Cheers.